welcome to another episode of Fully Booked. I'm Megan. And I'm Shireen. And this week we are continuing with our romance bandwagon. <laughs> are we so excited? Choo-choo! <laughs> Which we kicked off last week for the beginning of February with After from 2019. Oh, what a ride that whole entire series is. I can't even just say the one movie. I have to say all of it. Yeah, and I think you have to look at it all together because, you know, just the one movie does not explain the whole entity yeah it doesn't it doesn't explain the whole character yeah. particularly if you guys haven't listened to that episode just go listen to it because the lead especially the male protagonist's story arc Harden, makes much more sense the more you get into it the more uh like exposition and backstory you have for him that you just don't, you don't have in the first movie that you're like what's wrong with this guy What's wrong with this person? <laughs> why is he so angry all the time yeah. jesus um but i guess keeping on the same wavelength yep. to a certain extent mm-hmm. this week we wanted i love that we wanted to do this so much too <laughs> you did research and you wrote a whole essay i wrote a whole essay in this <laughs> essay i will um i wanted to we decided when we were chatting about this we decided that we wanted to talk about toxic tropes in romance novels and sort of what like I guess what a lot of the tropes are first of all where they come from and kind of have a specific focus on a couple of ones that I think we think are worse than a lot of these you know you have like your general tropes in romance that you're like yeah eh, whatever this is cute this can be nice this can yeah. be fun like we both read romance like yeah. a few times a year at least kind of thing everybody does yeah and a lot of uh, I mean, stories. Not, no, okay, fine. But a, and a lot of stories that people read have a romantic element to them, like a romantic of subplot course. at least There's of some sort. We are yes. humans. We love love. My, <laughs> as far as I know, and I don't know if this is like if the statistics are different now, but as far as I know, to this day, basically, the best-selling genre of fiction is always romance is number one, mystery is number two. That, that is, makes sense. Yeah. Because they're like the two most like human, you know. Yes. You know, like mystery often when there's no like fantasy element to it, it's often through like vengeance or anger or yes, something. Yes, things you that know? people like, can, human yeah. beings can relate to. So yeah. I think that does make sense. And I think with romance as well, so many people experience romantic um, ups and downs throughout the course of their lives that I think it's really easy for people to relate to the idea yeah. of a romantic relationship because so many people experience them. Of course. So yeah. It makes sense. So um, what we wanted to do today was just kind of have a chat about yes. all of that. So this should be interesting. And we should probably kind of start this off by saying that we are not professionals in like psychiatry or psychology oh God, or no. anything to do with like, you know, the human psyche or anything like we are not professionals in this realm. We're just having a chat. And um, also we feel so strongly about this I don't know. I don't want to call it a subgenre. <laughs> like I don't no, it's choose not. toxic romance. No, but like uh, <laughs> toxic romance subgenre. It could be its own it subgenre. Could, it absolutely could be, but um, we don't classify it as such. Um, but you know, I think we just feel so strongly about this because it's so prominent in a lot of books and very mainstream. Type, very mainstream, and like I think the fact that there's been some sort of resurgence of it is just very like mind-boggling at this yes, point yes you know? because I think that you know you used to think when we were young especially you used to think of romantic tropes and things and very 
very like, you know, sort of very regularly done, almost cliched types of things. Yeah. You used to think of that in like your Harlequin romance yeah. specifically. Those, that was like things you were always like, like oh, my mom genre. reads that. Yeah. Oh, my grandmother reads those. Oh, my aunt reads those things. And it was all the same cover of a very chiseled looking man yep. embracing a woman in some sort of corset attire mm-hmm. that's like half falling off a shoulder kind of yep. thing. And that was, you know, they had like a billowy shirt on and stuff. And that was like sort of what you would see before. <laughs> but that's wow. not the case anymore because you see that in a lot of modern stuff. And I think what bothers us the most is that a lot of this is directed at a younger demographic. I think that's what it is. Like, I think like if this were all aimed, like Fifty Shades of Grey, for example. Yes. I can't hate on Fifty Shades of Grey too much. I mean, I because, can because it's horrible. Right. But like not for the same reasons. Like no. I can't hate on it for like you know, the, some of the toxicity because it's not aimed at like a vulnerable underage people. Yeah. Yeah. Like underage, you know, like, uh, vulnerable in the sense that like, you know, you can influence them, like certain information might, um, affect them more than other pieces of information. And like, I certainly think that, that if it's so common Mm -hmm. and so, um, uh, what's the word like alluring to read about toxic romance you might not realize what's so toxic about it yes and how it is having an effect on you yes for sure um just to give I guess an overview kind of of what we're talking about when we're talking about a trope we're talking about a theme or a dynamic that's often seen in romance stories so I have like a whole list of kind of like really regular ones that we see yeah. I say probably one of the top ones and one of the most popular ones that even I like too if it's done yeah. well is enemies to lovers oh yeah for sure anytime where it's like if you have a really good really snappy dynamic between two characters who dislike each other for whatever reason mm-hmm. at the beginning of the story yeah. by the end of the story have fallen in love with each other that can be really fun because there's like a conflict there that yeah. needs to be resolved throughout the course of the story you see this in so 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 many stories absolutely and every young adult fantasy is like an enemies to lovers at the same time like all of them I mean a lot of yeah absolutely and (laughs) like a lot (laughs) like a lot and like I think this isn't um you know inherently toxic as Mm -mm. a trope it gets toxic when one of them has done something really horrible and you can't accept why the other person forgives is forgiving them. them. Yes, a hundred percent. After when Hardin in the book, when Hardin takes the sheets on which he and Tessa had sex for the first time oh, and God. she bled on and he goes and he shows all of his friends. That's so gross. I can't even I can't even believe that when you told me that I was like, you've got to be kidding. Like so, somebody wrote that and put it in a book and was like, and he's still the sexy one. Like what? <laughs> and we've got four more books about oh. how amazing he is. Like this is or Oh, yeah, three, three more books, yeah, I guess. Sorry, yeah, absurd. Um, so enemies to lovers is a big one. Yeah. A love triangle is something that comes up a lot. You've usually got another guy who, like, <laughs> you're another person, whatever, yeah. in the relationship who, like, comes in who is either already there or shows up and creates conflict again between yeah. your two leads who are the ones who are, you know, falling in love with one another, experiencing that, like, change or shift in their relationship depending on what the situation was. So yeah. that's another one that you see semi-regular that's like your twilight shit you know you start off with your bella and edward and then you throw your jacob into the mix to make it spicy you know right yes where twilight gets toxic is like within the nature of both of those relationships oh both of them are terrible are not healthy no and so that's where your love triangle becomes problematic uh when 
one or both of those relationships is not healthy. Absolutely. Um, another one, this is one that I, re- I really don't like this one. Uh, this trope I find is like a... I don't even know how to describe it. It's basically a trope about like a power dynamic. So like a mm. boss and an employee mm-hmm. or a teacher and a student, Gabriel's Inferno. <laughs> <laughs> that I I really struggle with that one because for me, as soon as there's, and you see this in real like real life, like these things happen. Yeah. Um, when there, whenever there's like a, like a power dynamic between the two couple, like between the two people involved, if one of them, like sort of outranks the other in like a yeah. professional status or something. Ooh, I hate it so much. And they try to make it sexy and it's not. Yeah. And like, you know, that's not to say that in real life, like I've met people in the past who, you know, they met because one of them was a professor and the other one was a student and, you know, they waited until they no longer had that dynamic in place yes. before they got together, you know, like, we're not saying that that it's impossible to have a relationship or like a romance that's real based on that type of dynamic, Mm -hmm. but it's the way that it gets portrayed in a lot of, especially mainstream, like romance novels and movies is really unhealthy. Oh yeah. It's not. And, and it also takes like the good natured side of the type, that type of relationship. Like if it is like a genuine, um, you know, we will wait until we're no longer together. And it makes um, it something negative. weird. What am yeah. I thinking of? I'm thinking of Pretty Little Liars. Yes, exactly. Arya and what's his fucking face there? Ezra. Ezra, thank you. <laughs> that's a, that's one that seems cute when you're young and you watch yeah. it and you rewatch it and you're like, oh boy. No. Oh no. Don't well, like that. That. <clears throat> that was weird. I mean, they got married and everything. Yeah, that was really he was strange. her teacher for like a long time. I know. Oh, okay. Wow. Moving on. We did. The next one would be mistaken identity. This one definitely happens when you have, you know, the ones where one party thinks that the other one is someone that they're not. And Mm. then the party who was like sort of who is the mistaken person, they don't tell the original person about it until the end. And that usually causes a rift, which is also usually fixed for the end of the story. You know, the only thing that's coming to mind here is she's the man. <laughs> oh my God, you're so funny. That's Shakespeare. <laughs> I feel, Yes, I know. It's yeah. uh, Twelfth Night. Uh, yes. Yes. Or The Tempest. No, that's not The Tempest. No, okay, Twelfth Night. And no, it's Twelfth Night because it's Viola and the that's Duke. That's right. Yes, that's right. Um, yes, okay. Viola so poses enough. as a man, right? Or her, is it her brother? Sebastian's still her yes. brother in the play as well, isn't he? Yeah, she poses as her brother in order to... Um, basically like, you know, be like seen as a man. Yeah. And the Duke doesn't find out until, you know, the end basically it causes a rift, but of course the rift is fixed and everybody gets married at the end because it's a comedy. Aren't they like in the early years of college? Yes. In the, no, they're in high school. <laughs> oh, they're in high school. Yeah. Oh, they're right. at like a private school or something, whatever. It's fine. But they don't get married in the movie. No, I'm talking oh. about in Twelfth Night Train. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not talking about Channing Tatum and Amanda Bynes anymore. That's <laughs> <laughs> actually a great movie. We it's fun. Watch that, that was later. like peak Amanda Bynes. Yeah, anyway. That was peak Amanda That and What a Girl Wants. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Those movies. Oh man. Being a teenager in the early 2000s, you got some treats. Let me tell you. Yeah, Amanda Bynes, Lindsay Lohan, before she was the way she is now. Before Amanda Bynes was the way she is now. Oh, yeah. That one makes me sad, too. Yeah, Britney Spears. Yeah. 
That's it. All mm-hmm. these people in like their heyday. Anyway, oh. okay. So mistaken identity is one. Um, and I find this one sort of goes hand in hand with enemies to lovers often is forced proximity. That's a big one. People who like, you see this a lot in young adult, like, oh, we have to work together on a school project, but we're really annoyed with each other, but we're forced to work together. Oh, like one of them's like, eh, that's like a nerd. And that yeah, or whatever. Like whatever. Or we hate each other. We're academic rivals, but we have to work together kind of thing. And then we wind up falling in love with each other. What examples do we have of this? Oh God, I feel like there are probably a ton and I can't think of a oh, book off the top of never my Never have I ever. That, that show is coming to mind. Like Oh, because of, yeah, that's true. The other kid there, Ben. Ben? Yeah. Ben. She's always like a school rival. Yes. Well, anybody, like that happens in a lot of different stuff. But yeah, I'm sure someone's going to yell at us and be like, it's in this book. Anyway. <laughs> we cannot think of one right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't have any concrete examples. But forced proximity, I find, is another one. But it's also one that comes along with the enemies to lovers often. Because yeah. oftentimes, it, oftentimes it's forced proximity with someone that you don't like. It's true. Or that you think you don't like. That you think you don't like. I think that's the difference, though, between forced proximity and enemies to lovers. Yes. Because forced proximity, like, they think they don't like each other or they're just completely, like, um, neutral towards the other person. Uh, whereas uh, enemies to lovers, although there can be, like, a rivalry in the other one. There's an overlap, anyway. Um, After that, I would say there is forbidden love. Ah, uh, everyone's favorite. Which is that Romeo and Juliet-ish, basically, yeah. you know, with just like, whoa, our families hate each other and we can't be together, but yeah. we're going to sneak around about it and stuff like that. That can happen, that's it, in any story that involves families that don't get along, yep. friend groups that don't get along with each other. Um, I find young adult fantasy does that yeah. a lot because they're they're from opposing kingdoms or species, species or whatever that is. Like and in The Hobbit, when they the movie, when they chose to have the elf fall in love with the dwarf. Oh, yeah, that was weird. That was weird. Yeah. That height difference would be complicated. Anyway, <laughs> and I only say that because, like, the you know, there's a big difference. Well, in, yeah, like in Tolkien's lore, like yes. I think there's quite a big difference in height. Right? There must be. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Um, so that's another one. <laughs> and that one that you're seeing as often now, but I do find that f- the fantasy genre still does that. And I find that this one comes in waves. Like yes. I think that um, if there, like we're kind of gearing up for another good one soon. Like if, if there is a good one that comes out mm-hmm. soon, it's going to trigger like the genre again yeah you know if there, I mean? well if there's another twilight-esque thing just to a certain extent twilight's got that forbidden love thing human yeah. vampire yes exactly right. well that, all roads lead back to twilight <laughs> god it's exhausting how many times we've ever brought twilight up I, I if we went back up and made like a super cut of like all the times that we've said something about twilight at some point in all of these episodes we'd have like an hour-long show well i uh you know i credit the Twilight shit posting group on Facebook for <laughs> a lot of, you know, keeping Twilight top of mind. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, another one that I think kind of has become a thing in more recent years is uh, the trope of like fake dating or like fake marriage. You know, there's pe- been a lot of there's that. There's been so, 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 so many of those so in like I mean. the full romance genre. Yeah. It's very much like a, oh, my ex is with like a new person kind of thing and I need to make them jealous. So here I'm going to date you or fake date you. Yeah. But of course, fake dating turns to real feelings, turns to real relationship. Well, like kissing booth was that, wasn't it? No. no, wrong one. Um, no, that was a forbidden love one, that one, because it was dating the older brother of your best friend. So. Which was the one where they pretended to be dating? The the one that came out kind of at the same time as Kissing Booth. 
The one with Lara Jean. Um, oh, no. yes. To all the boys yeah, I've loved that's before. It. There's that's your fake it. dating trope right yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, Noah Centineo does that a lot. He plays that person a lot. He was in another movie Oh, he did Netflix. another Netflix movie as well where he was like a fake date for people yeah. too. Yeah, you're right. I don't remember what it was called, but I do remember that movie. It was actually not bad. Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> um, yes, exactly. That one I find you're seeing that a lot. Yeah. In like more modern ones. And I'm talking like in full romance as well. That's becoming more and more of a thing. Well, like this is what I mean, right? Like if there was another um, forbidden love story that came out soon, I feel like it would kind of like top that one that we're talking about right now. The uh, fake dating. Mm -hmm. And it would kind of put us on a different path of like, types of stories and movies that are coming out because I mean like even like the fake dating thing I mean Christ like they do that that's the first half of what is it the first um season of Bridgerton right they pretend Daphne and Simon pretend that they're courting one another and all that jazz you know until they you know have to accidentally get married and then develop real feelings for one another that kind of thing there's been a ton of them there's so many I feel like this one is toxic to the other people who are involved in the story like, it's yeah. kind of cruel to do and, like, mess with other people's emotions. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's where the toxicity of this, like, romance trope comes yes. in. Yes, yes, I agree. <clears throat> um, and then the last one that I have here is the idea of the trope of, like, second chance romance. So... Yeah, that's kind of emerging, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and that's, like, your, like, your notebook kind of thing. Oh, okay, then that's not emerging. Well, no, no, <laughs> but I mean, when I'm comment. thinking of, like, an example that I can think of, like, to me, like, the notebook comes to mind, because it's, like, they're together when they're young, and they spend years apart, and okay, then it's, yeah. like, a second chance at love later on when they come back together. Like, with the same person, or do you just mean in general No, with the same chance. person, with yeah, the same person. because there is also, like, that subgenre of, like, it's our second time getting married, and, like, a second exactly. love in life, yeah, and, like, of. we had a thing when we were teenagers and then we both went our separate ways and now we've both moved back to our same small town and now it's time to make it work kind of thing. Right, but like even the stories that are not where they met when they were younger either. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's kind of slowly starting. Emerging, It's slowly becoming okay for people to be getting married for a second time (laughs) in media. (laughs) Right. Yeah. God forbid. Oh, God. How terrible. No, but we all love a second chance romance. Like, come on. We're like, they were together. They're cute. If they were together when they were kids and and then they had to split for whatever reason, they come back, you're like, oh, that's nice. I hope that works out for them. I hope hope they're happy. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so that's sort of like an overview of like a bunch that I feel make themselves known pretty regularly, mm-hmm. like in romance novels and stuff. Like those are sort of like a lot of the main ones that you see now. Um, kind of, I guess it's like a weird segue, but I guess what we want, I guess like to delve into like a sub-sub trope kind of. Sub-sub. Oh, sub-sub of these things <laughs> is um, talking about specifically, this can be in any of them I think this can be in any of these major like tropes and stuff like that but something that happens in a lot of these stories now and I'm thinking of like anything that comes after a fucking twilight um 50 shades of gray 365 days uh, Gabriel's Inferno like all of like the hard sex sub trope no not that oh (laughs) I'm talking about I'm talking about specifically in these stories uh the romanticization of trauma for the male lead 
Yeah, after was one of them as after well. After as well. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, just, like, off the top, get fucking, like, kissing booth. Although, I don't know why that motherfucker's angry all the time. He has a really nice house. Um, He's so cute. I feel bad for... <laughs> I feel like, poor guy, he's been so typecast now because of kissing booth and euphoria. <laughs> okay, but, like, whoa. Like, no. <laughs> they're kind of extreme differences there. Oh, well, yes and no. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just the fact that... I don't know what this is in a lot of these romance stories. And this has happened also because we watched like a whole bunch of movies on passion flicks, you and I. And this happens so fucking often that your male lead is like traumatized because Mm. of something in his past. He, because he's dark and broody, it's because he has a dark and broody past. Something happened to him as a child or in a previous relationship. And it's rampant. I feel like it's everywhere. And it's... Like, honestly, like, it's treated... Uh, I just don't like that it's treated in a way that's almost glorified. I agree. You know? Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, it's, you know, like, it. this makes sense now. And I've explained this man's entire character simply because he went through something traumatic as a younger person. As though someone would automatically behave like this just because they experienced trauma as a younger person. Like that's not true. So like it's used as an excuse for um, the man or I should say maybe the more like traditionally male masculine identifying character Mm. in the story to be like it's almost used as an excuse for them to be um, domineering yeah. or controlling yeah. or expecting, like almost to an abusive extent yeah. in a lot and of like cases. For the um, you know the other person's attitude to be that oh well this person's had trauma and so it's okay for them because to it's used as an display excuse, all yeah. of these emotions and behaviors and like they never actually get to the root cause and actually try and like fix the root cause problem yes they keep like using the love story or the sex as a way of like justifying or making the behavior better yes exactly to like de-escalate yeah this issue basically and so instead of them being like oh um you know we should do something like get you some help for your mental health so that you can work through these issues that's not what happens what happens is that then it's treated so that only the more traditionally feminine or female identifying character in the story has to save yep their love interest you know, often through, often through sexual means, but also sacrificing a lot of, and sacrificing, yes, sacrificing a lot of their own traits because they need to fix this other person when like you don't have to fix another person. And that like becomes the entire identity, like the broken one and then the fixer. Oh, I need to save them. And so I need to save them myself. Also, I don't need to encourage them to do anything like seek treatment or help for this or to work through their issues on their own. Yeah depending on the circumstance and everything you know there is none of that it's just okay well I will stay with you and I will fix it like you can't no and I feel like this is like an extreme romanticization of a real life situation yes like I feel like in real life a the person would you know the person who needs the therapy would eventually realize themselves that this is not working. Yeah. Like I have something missing and so I need to go and fix myself first. So I feel like that realization would eventually happen. Yeah. 
uh, B, the person who's the savior would eventually say, I can't do this anymore yeah. and walk away. Or C, it would be like this never-ending, extremely abusive relationship. Yes, which would just go on for eons, yeah. basically, which would be awful. I hate... Yeah, yeah I hate... But I feel like the romance would die very quickly. Yeah, I'm, I can imagine that it would be exhausting yeah. to be with a partner who is constantly... Um, reminding destructive. destructive and reminding you that they're destructive because of this past yep. issue that they have. Yeah. You can't you yourself can't do anything to fix that issue. No. Um and but these stories, these novels portray it as though you can. Yeah. As though the other person in the relationship can fix it simply by being in a relationship with them. And I understand that this stems from that trope that kind of goes both ways, right? Like the damsel in distress, the one person who's in distress. Yes, yeah. And there being a one person in the world who can save you. Yeah, it's always Prince Charming. Who can make you better, yeah. right? And so like in this case, it's almost flipped where instead of, you know, the man saving the woman. Yeah, it's like up the in woman the tower or whatever. She's saving the man from yeah. his inner demons as opposed to like a dragon. Right, like an outer demon or yeah. an external force. So, yeah. I can see how this became mainstream. <laughs> you can see how we got here. I can see how we got here. I just think we should probably stop it somewhere yeah. because like it keeps going. There should definitely be more advocating for fixing yourself from yeah. the inside out in yeah. a lot of these stories. And sometimes there is. And it's not like every single romance novel is garbage no. because they, they, you know, they don't all do stuff like this. In no. fact, a lot of modern romance is very focused on this. We're sort of like, yeah, okay, I need to go see someone. I need to, you know, fix myself before I'm, I mean, you know, or be okay with myself before I'm with anyone else, which is fine. To that's be great. fair, that's what happens in the after series. Like, eventually, like, she's yeah. like, no, I can't fix you. And he's like, okay, Tessa, I'm going to go to therapy. And you're like, Jesus, it took you three books to it get here. It took them four books to get there. Oh, so long. <laughs> um, but why did we have to read? But I guess, <laughs> I guess what concerns me is that, like, a few books in, you're already... Like, especially a younger audience is already sucked into the, the love story of yeah. it all. The romance. So they're not it. paying attention to the good choices being yeah. made by the characters. It happens very late in the story, you know. That's it. So that's unfortunate, yeah. I find. And I find, so something that I find often happens with this um, sort of fetishization of male trauma. God, that sounds terrible. But I feel like that's kind of what it is. They've turned it into like a kink. Yeah. yeah, in a lot of cases. Anyway, um, I find something that comes along with this because this character becomes often, like I said, aggressive, domineering, you know, almost basically abusive, yeah. like over the other person. Yeah. What happens in tandem with that most of the time? Because nobody wants to read about... Uh, of the other character just being like subservient and being like, oh, okay, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry, oh, I'm so sorry, yeah. is that they have this weird little additive that they put in there of they have the character act like bratty in contrast. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is something fucking 365 Days does yes. so much. Oh, yeah, they where really they have, go overboard with this Yeah, one. so in that, like, you know, uh, what's-her-face Laura is Laura. kidnapped by Massimo. Kidnapped! 
because he's decided that he needs her to fall in love with Very him. Very Beauty and the Beast. Oh, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> with no good libraries either. <laughs> no talking... There's a sex library. No talking candelabras. Like, nothing fucking fun to There's counteract any of it. Anyway. Um, you know, she's kidnapped and held against her will, supposedly, for apparently the period of a year. Um, but after an initial... I don't know, five minute like fight against this. There are no other scenes of this character trying to escape, like legitimately escape. Yeah, like I genuinely thought that like when she told him she loved him, that she was like trying to trick him. And she was gonna like so slash his throat and run away. Yeah, like, run away. Like I'm like, this has to like take longer than this. For oh, for sure. So it's like, you know, but she puts up a she kind of puts up a fight for about a minute and then just sort of deals with it yep. and then gets bratty in what she does with things where she just like is kind of a bitch to him and she teases him and does stuff and I'm also like why are you trying to provoke this person they kidnapped you yes like it makes no sense and she's like trying to like provoke him in like a sexual way yeah don't like, provoke your like fucking kidnapper that would be kidnapper. the last thing that I would do <laughs> so <laughs> like, much I don't even think it would be the last thing I just don't think it would ever happen you so know? much so it's like they put up a fight but it never feels like a real fight. Yeah. You know? And it feel and it does in stories like that, I find that it becomes really toxic too, especially when it's used in that like steamy, like, oh sexy, oh teasing kind of way where you're like, ooh, no. Like it's one thing it's one if people want to role play like in the bedroom and everybody and is thing. consenting yeah, like that's fine man like, do whatever. it you, do what you want to do no one cares that's totally fine i yeah. think that's fine but this but isn't if you're done in like a this is a story way. in which a woman is kidnapped against her will yep. <laughs> like, uh, but then it happens again in another one of these movies like what is it the third one where she gets kidnapped by nacho oh yeah nacho oh yeah. the stupid and then she character. like she like has sex with him and then she starts to fall in love with yeah, him. Yeah, she totally fucks like, so him at one point too. Does this just really have really bad Stockholm syndrome? Like, regardless of who, yeah, the no matter her? who the kidnapper is, she automatically <laughs> falls in love with him. But that's terrible because what is that telling an audience? Like, oh yeah, you're definitely gonna fall in love with this person. Also, <laughs> you better hope you get kidnapped in your life. Yes, you're gonna love it. Yeah, seriously, I don't think I've I don't think that I've ever um, heard or read a story or heard a podcast or anything in my entire life about a woman being kidnapped by a sexy Italian mob boss and then falling in love with him and marrying him. I don't know about you, but I can't say that I have. I don't know. Wasn't The Godfather about that? Somebody get kidnapped in The Godfather? I don't know. Oh, guys, I'm so sorry. Why are you asking? You haven't even seen them. (laughs) You're right. I thought that Al Pacino's wife was like a little bit under duress for a lot of those. I think she might be. It's been a really long time. I'm sorry. I don't remember very well. Oh, man. <laughs> but I might be wrong here. Like Megan said, I haven't actually seen the gods. So she just makes I, assumptions. I feel, I feel like people must listen to our podcast and just get increasingly more annoyed with every comment that we make. Probably. That's, like, incorrect. Oh, yeah. There are tons of them. I guarantee that a lot of people get annoyed. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. We're not perfect. No. We try, though. Yeah. Um, but I just find that this compounds kind of 
the crappiness of the idea of this dominant character because again they're like oh oh but don't worry she doesn't let him get away with it she fights him but it's fights with big ass quotation marks around it because are we back on 365 days no yet? I'm just saying in general oh right okay <laughs> like when this happens like it's just like oh I'm putting up a fight but like not really no. you're not actively looking for you know for like a way to get away from this person no, and like that's all you would do. Like you would. Oh my god! You would like, come on. You would, like you would do anything you could to get away from that. Like I can't imagine how terrifying that must be to get kidnapped if by someone <laughs> and then told like I'm locking you away for one year. In any other genre of of and story, you must fall in love with me. In every in any other genre of novel or a film, this would be a horror movie it or is a, horror a, or a psychological thriller. Yes. And this person would actively be trying to get away yes. from the person who kidnapped them because that is what you would be doing. I, If you guys have ever seen a movie called Berlin Syndrome, it has a vibe to it that's like like this, but it's like if you take all the romance out of it and yeah. it's basically about a woman who has a, is backpacking in Europe. She meets a man, has a one-night stand with him, wakes up the next morning and slowly realizes that she cannot leave his apartment yeah. and goes through a very long period of time and you watch the struggle of this woman trying to get away from him. Yeah, that's horrible. Over a period of time. And it's terrifying right. and bothersome and in a normal way where the character decisions that are made, you're like, uh-huh, yep, nope, that sounds, that seems about right to me. That seems about what an actual human being would do because it's not romance and it's not romantic to be kidnapped by someone. <laughs> no, and like the thing is, if in like, again, using the example of 365 days, if she had known him, if there was some sort of like attraction and they were playing some sort of game with each other, yeah. it would make a lot more sense. Like if they were enemies to lovers or if they were from like rival families. Like if they already something. knew each other. Like they yeah. they knew each other really well. <laughs> you know, a like whole if, stranger. If, if you were like, oh yes, that's Massimo. He's an asshole who kidnaps people. Like y- you could understand her behavior a little bit better. Yeah. But the fact that she has no idea who he is. No. And he kidnaps her and tells her, you have one year to fall in love with me. Terrifying. And if you don't, I'll let you go. Oh yeah, I'm really going to believe you about that. Yeah, like, like I'm, I'm going to just wait my year out then, you know? Like, it's crazy. Like, there are scenes in that where, oh my God, the dog. Ozzy. <laughs> but, I'm, oh yes, okay, there is a scene in that movie yeah. where she literally, after she's decided, like, she's just not bothering with the fight anymore, she literally calls her mom and is like, I'm fine, I'm over here, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, like, and her mom's what? like, okay, and I'm like, <laughs> Because, like, doesn't she go and visit her parents at some point during... In one of the, the later movies, she does, yeah. But, like, is it during the first year? Honestly, I don't like, think I don't so. care. I don't um, know. It doesn't matter. The whole point it is that matter. it's stupid. Um, but I wonder, like, I would throw the question out to the community here. Like, does anybody, like, okay, an, like answer anonymously or whatever, just, like, self-reflection. <laughs> Do you actually find this sexy or, like, a turn-on in any way? Like, is there anyone out there who's like, yes, this is my jam? Out of, because- yeah, I would like to know, outside of role-playing with a consensual partner right. who you already know yeah. as well, does anybody, yeah. like, 
see this and go, oh God, I can't wait till oh, it's so hot. <laughs> till like, I get kidnapped. <laughs> well, that's it. Like, it's like, do we want to be there or do we just like watching it on screen and it like does something to us that way? Like maybe? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know because, no, but that is, you know what I would like to know because this, those movies I think are totally absurd and there's nothing sexy about them as far as I'm concerned with like, especially like how the relationship has begun between yeah. the characters like I'm not like oh that would be so great like no it's just scary no <laughs> it sounds awful it sounds like, terrifying again, and I hate it I could it. understand and again I use 365 days again but I could understand if she knew that he was Massimo the sexy son of our rival family and I'm a good daughter and I can't let myself feel these things but now Massimo has kidnapped me and now I'm feeling things like fine like I'm totally yeah. on board with this you I know? think you know what I think like, I could buy it more like you said if she yeah. was from like a rival family I could maybe buy it and more. she was like genuinely like into him but like yes. she wasn't letting and then you bring the forbidden way. love trope yeah. into that too like totally fine like yes I could get on board with that but it's the way that some of these movies are so like abrupt and like violent in the delivery oh of my the God. romance that you're just kind of like okay but I don't feel like this is romantic anymore no. like, I'm just kind of scared <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> Oh, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm still so so uncomfortable. Oh boy. Uh, Yeah, it's oh man. It just they try to combine, like they they do this with some of like the later Fifty Shades of Grey shit too, where like at first, um, you know, they just have him be like Christian Grey, be like domineering and disgusting. But then later they try to have. I'm so sorry if you guys can hear that. It's the dog with the squeaky (laughs) toy. It's not your earphones. Don't worry about it. Or like your car speaker. Don't worry about it. No, it's lamb chop. Oh boy, <laughs> with a squeak. Um, I, I like they do that a little bit later. Where like there are times and scenes where Anna will specifically like fight him about something, but it's what not. What are you a, on about right now? In Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, but it's not. Did you say that? Sorry. Yes, <laughs> but it's not a fight. It's just like it's like a two second oh, argument, no. and then she caves to his demands no, anyway. Like, like in Fifty Shades of Grey, like it's I believe that one a little bit more. Like I'm not gonna lie, like I guess. he's not like scary. Well, and, he didn't like, physically kidnap no. her, but the domineering thing with like here sign a contract yeah, and like, do all that like, shit. Like I feel like his delivery is like really um, rude um, and also like <laughs> yeah. really scary, like. If you're a vulnerable young woman and you're like finding yourself feeling feelings that you've never felt for this really sexy man who's got a lot of power and mm-hmm. then he turns around and like abruptly just like drops this bomb on you and is like, if you want to have sex with me, you have to sign this contract. And like, have sex with me th- in this particular way that I want yeah. to have sex. Like, I think her reaction is pretty, like, you know, the fact that she, like, argues with him on it and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, um, like, look, at the same time, too, that those stories completely, like, retcon themselves because yeah. he says that this is the only way that he does it and then immediately does it a different way. Yeah. And they have pretty, like, normal sex throughout most of it, so. Yeah, no, like, Fifty Shades is pretty problematic. Yeah, I can't it's, it's pretty crazy it's pretty that way. Yeah. Just the way that they portray, like, the, I guess the idea of it. And you can tell that, like... What's her name? E.L. James or whatever, who wrote those stories. She read like two 
Wattpad stories about BDSM and decided that she knew what BDSM was, I think, and was just like, I'm going to write about it now. Do you ever wonder if, like, some of these authors, they, like, write things, put them out into the world, and, like, just did not think that things would go this far? Like, Anna Todd, who, like, wrote something on Wattpad, and she was like, yeah, cool, like, here oh, you go, yeah. And, like, suddenly, like, movies are being made, and they're like, oh, wow, those were, like, my deepest, darkest fantasies that I just kind of put out That I just kind of the put internet. there anonymously, and now <laughs> yeah. they've become, like, a whole thing, and I'm making money off of them, I guess. Yeah. I mean, okay, fine. We say that, but, like, as we're discovering, literally, as we're discovering this year, the world of <laughs> romance authors can sometimes be pretty fucking crazy. Oh, my and God. this is something that I wanted Tell to them. talk about. <laughs> Um, so I don't know if anyone has heard about this, read about this, because I feel like it's been popping up in a lot of news outlets too. A few weeks ago, Shireen sends me a very bizarre article from BuzzFeed of all places as well, um, that, whose headline was basically like about a romance novelist who faked her own death. And I was like, what the fuck is this? So I, you know, read the article I, I Googled it because I was like, what, what is this? What's this? Um, what is this? And apparently um, a, an author, I don't know if this is this person's actual name, an author, a self-publishing romance novelist by the name of Susan Meachin, supposedly back in 2020, uh, there had been social media posts to indicate that unfortunately she had died by suicide, mm. um, that she'd taken her own life due to online bullying yeah. and a lot of negativity in the community. And, you know, as far as I'm aware, anyway, from everything that I read, there was an outpouring of support and people felt awful about this. Now, fast forward to basically beginning of 2023 and this person comes back online to release a statement <laughs> that that's no, that's not actually the case and that there she was no, her own death. there was a fake death that was all purported online. Nope. Apparently, there were questions at the time from certain members of the like of the self publishing community about mm. this that they were confused by the whole thing when it did happen. Mm. Um, that yeah, the answer provided by her was very flippant, very bizarre, yeah. and supposedly a lot of this came from pressure from family members and stuff due to, again, online bullying, et cetera, et cetera, to do something like this. Now, well, we're pre- it sounds... Was she under a student, like a, like a pen name? I have no idea. Oh, right, okay. I don't know. I don't know if her actual name is Susan Meachin or not, but this is the name that's um, indicated everywhere. I can only assume it's her actual name because I don't see a report of a, a pen name right. anywhere. Um, yeah, and it's unfortunate because a lot of people who were genuinely online friends with this person really took this death hard, but then just this bonkers fucking story of this person faking their own, like, my God, like, this isn't a movie. Like, when was the last time you heard about somebody faking their own fucking death? I've never, ever heard of this happening. Yeah. Like, like I would have thought that in this day and age with how the internet is, like, people would have easily been able to, like, locate, like, but then again, like, maybe people just didn't dig that far. It's also, well, I mean, granted, if an official statement is released by this person's family saying Fair. they have, unfortunately, this is what's happened, yeah. they have passed away, they took their well, own like, life, would then what are you going like, to do? Look for the funeral yeah. details. Like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Like, just, oh, man, my I don't believe you. Died. I'm so sad. Yeah, that's it. I don't believe you. Like, no, not at all. Um, yeah, so it's pretty crazy 
that all of this happened, but, but this seems to be, I mean, first of all, it is too bad. And I have seen a lot online that's indicated that a lot of people were very mad about Mm. this because also, you know, the self-publishing community already like exists in a bit of a stigma because people don't necessarily take them as seriously Seriously. as folks who have gone through a whole editorial process with like an official publishing house, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's too bad because it puts a stain on people who are just trying to put their work out there for people to read you know and to maybe support themselves doing so so that is unfortunate um but it also reminded me when you sent me this it also reminded me of um oh my gosh I have to hold please I have to look up a name hold please okay yes I looked this up okay so it's also this also reminded me of um a few years ago when I read a a little bit of an article basically and some information. Um, do you remember? So there was a, a thriller type of novel, very much in the same vein of like Gone Girl, Girl on the Train, all that kind of stuff called The Woman in the Window. Yes. They made a movie on Netflix right. with Amy Adams, I believe. And then they made one with, <laughs> what's her face? Well, that was, I think that was supposed to be like a mishmash of a whole bunch, okay. right? The woman uh, uh, across the something in the window or whatever the fuck yeah. it was. I don't know, the one with Kristen Bell in it yeah. anyway. Um so the man who wrote the actual novel, the pen name used is A.J. Finn, who actually wrote the book, but the actual author's name is Dan Mallory. Okay. There have been reports, and I remember reading about this, when the Netflix film was being produced, yeah. uh, there were people in the online community asking folks not to support the idea of this film or give this person any more money because apparently he has, for a number of years, and I've seen like full, you know, articles, full like editorials in the New Yorker and things who have looked into this man's past and have found a lot of just stories that he's fabricated about his own background and a lot of uh, misinformation and inconsistencies. I believe that he, people were quite upset because I believe that he told people at some point or another, he'd made it public that he was suffering from, I forget what particular type of cancer. And it turns out that wasn't true. And he was undergoing treatment. He had told different people at different times that different parents are living and or dead. And I believe both are still alive, you know, all kinds of sorts of things like that. He's, um, uh, fabricated stories regarding uh, educational background, wow. all sorts of things. So there have just been, so it's really interesting sometimes to, <laughs> it's really interesting sometimes to hear these things where you're just kind of like, wow, man, authors really get caught up in their own little world and their own stories at some point, don't they? Well, it makes you wonder like how much people actually like lie about themselves and like it never actually gets found out, you know? Oh, for sure. You know, you know if, especially if people aren't in the public eye. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Like, I feel like that would know? make it easier to get away with things. For sure. Absolutely. But um, yeah. yeah, well, what does everyone think about this? I, I would like to know yeah. what people think about, like, what, like, do you like specific tropes or the ones that you like? Like, look, a lot of us like enemies to lovers and that's cool, man. Like, yeah. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with that. I'm okay with like a love triangle if it's well done, you know, those kinds of things. Basically any of, any of them can be good oh, yeah. if they're not done in a way that, you know, makes me want to throw up. Yeah, well, not in a toxic way. <laughs> yeah. And stop romanticizing male trauma. trauma stop doing it we don't romanticize female trauma because i'm sure a lot of it would 
B, regarding sexual assault and things, so stories don't do that very often. Mm. Exactly. There's nothing romantic about that. But there's also nothing romantic about Christian Grey getting cigarette burns from his mother's shitty boyfriend. You know what I mean? Like his mother. Yeah, Yeah. there's nothing romantic about that at all. There's nothing romantic about her dying and him being stuck with her dead body for three days or however long it was, you know? Nor and after when Hardin sees his mother get Be sexually assaulted. Yeah, that's it, exactly. There's nothing... There's there's nothing romantic about that. Nothing about that should be romanticized. It should be, if it's going to be used as a plot device, it should be treated as seriously as it is, as the mm-hmm. subject matter is, and treated in the correct way. Correct. Yep. Yes. So what do you guys think of all of these all of these tropes, what do you like? What do you hate? Do you, Have you ever noticed anything like what we've been yammering on about today? We sure have been yammering. I know. I'm we? sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, you can let us know about that over on Instagram at FullyBookedCA. You can also check out our Facebook group that we have at Facebook.com slash groups slash book was way better. And if you are still with us and are still listening to us complaining again god good for you i hope you are (laughs) Uh, please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you are listening because it really helps us get the show out in front of more people but until next week guys keep on reading thanks everyone